So uh, how then shall we now live in light of all that God has done for us, all that He's given to us, and all that He has changed within us? And a couple of the answers that we focused on to that question, broad answers, we're trying to narrow in and, and be a little more specific, but the broad answer is 2 Corinthians 5 and 7, how then shall we now live? Well, we're going to walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. And walking by faith means to live our lives on a daily basis um, according to what God has said, according to His truth for our lives, according to what He's done for us, what He's given to us, what He's said about us, what He's said to us. And notice this stands in direct uh, uh, contrast to how the world lives, which is by sight. And to live your life by sight means to live your life based upon the way things look, seem, and feel, the way things appear. And we've said that if you live your life based upon the way things look, seem, and feel, Satan can easily manipulate you because he can easily manipulate the way things look, seem, and feel. So we're not, going, we're not doing that anymore. That's a significant shift, right? We're going and learning to live by faith, walk by faith, not by sight. The second answer, and it's the second part of the title, is from Galatians chapter 5, verse 25. If we live in the Spirit, let us, <clears throat> excuse me, let us also walk in the Spirit. If we live in the Spirit... Let us also walk in the Spirit. And so we see then that much of the earlier portions of the book of Galatians have gone to make the case that we're, we're now spiritually alive in Christ. Remember when um, Adam and Eve ate the fruit from the tree that God forbid them to eat from in the Garden of Eden, that they died spiritually. God said, the day you eat of it, you will die. But the literal translation is, in dying you shall surely die. And so we know that they died spiritually, but they remained alive physically, or we could say biologically. This is why Jesus said in John chapter 10, I've come to give you life. He was speaking to people who had physical life, biological existence, but were dead spiritually. And I often use the example of what that looks like with, with a, a, a modern day uh, smartphone. Um, your phone would be quote-unquote dead if one of two or a combination of two things happened. It, it no longer had any battery power. We would say my phone is dead. Or if your phone lost connection with the tower, we would say, man, my phone is dead, meaning you don't have a signal. Or uh, I guess worst-case scenario is if both of those things happened at the same time, uh, no power, no tower, okay? No power, no tower. So we were spiritually dead, meaning we had no spiritual life, no power, and we had lost our connection with God, no tower. But Jesus came to reconnect us to the tower, to his Father, amen, receive spiritual signals, truth, information, communication from him. Come on now, that's exciting right there. God can't help you if he can't talk to you and you listen to him. Amen? But, but Jesus re reconnected us so that he can now talk to us and communicate to us and, and, and give real-time direction to, to our lives and, and communication. We don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And so we've got to have that, that spiritual union where he speaks to us in order for us to remain spiritually vibrant and healthy. But then also we see that he has given to us his life and nature. Uh, the life and nature of God has now been given to you and me in overflowing eternal abundance. So again, Galatians 5 and 25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And what it seems like he's saying here is, is exactly what he's saying here, that it's one thing to have this spiritual life inside of you. It's one thing to have the power and to be reconnected to the tower, 
but still live as if you are, do not have the power and you are not connected to the tower. So he says we, we have this life in the Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives inside of you. Let's learn how to walk and live every day uh, in that new condition or in that new reality. So how then shall we now live? We're going to walk by faith in the Spirit. We're going to walk by faith in the Spirit. Now, on last week, thank you, Jesus. There's just a lot of stuff here. Let me, thank you, Holy Spirit. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, so let me back up for a minute, okay? I want to remind you one more time that you were designed to live from the inside out. It was from your spirit, through your soul, into your physical body and outward, okay? Most people are trying to live from the outside in, and it simply doesn't work. We, we, we live from the inside out, and we're going to look at some things that became true about you, things that were given to you the day you became a new creation in Christ Jesus, the day you were born again. But your soul, which is your mind, emotions, and will, your soul is your mind, emotions, and will, it acts like a valve. Like, think about um, a, a, a water valve. Now, you can open the valve and the water will flow through, or you can close the valve and, and the water will not flow through that valve. And when we talk about everything that's in us and, and we have this uh, connection uh, to, 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 to God, uh, you know, vital connection, His power, His information, His Holy Spirit, okay, that's true of every person who's been born again, but not every born-again person is experiencing and enjoying the benefits of that because the valve of their thinking has shut it off. It's not flowing from inside of them out of them, okay? And this is because our thinking needs to be renewed. Our thinking needs to be brought into alignment. And, and so, as we say so many times, discipleship isn't about becoming something you're not. It's about discovering who you became the day you became a new creation in Christ Jesus. For you to, to see yourself in light of this new creation that, that you've become and begin to think of yourself in terms of this new person. Because as your thinking comes into alignment with your born-again spirit, you'll begin to experience, express and experience these things in your outward life reality. You still with me this morning? Okay. So... Contentment, peace, and joy, contentment, peace, joy, and rest are all internal conditions of the heart and are not dependent upon external circumstances. Okay, now I'm, I'm, we've made this point before, but I, I, the Holy Spirit prompted me to add another statement to this. So let's, let's talk about this for a moment. Contentment, peace, joy, and rest are all internal conditions of the heart. Because a, a born-again man or woman has the contentment, uh, of God, the peace of God, the joy of the Lord, and even rest uh, all inside of you. They're all internal conditions of the heart, and they're not dependent upon external circumstances. What does that mean? It means you can have the joy of the Lord operating in your life when everything around you seems to be against you. You can have the peace of God uh, that passes. Why do you think he calls it the peace of God that passes understanding? Amen. It's because it's peace that don't make sense. The world around you is like, how in the world does she still have peace given everything that seems to be against her right now? It's because it's not coming from the outside of her into her. It's coming from the inside of her out of her. Amen. So these things are internal conditions of the heart and are not dependent upon external circumstances. Remember, happiness is dependent upon external circumstances. In other words, happiness, you're only happy if things around you are favorable. But again, joy comes from inside of you, out of you, like a well springing up, amen, 
from God himself. That's coming from the tower. Come on now. That's coming from the tower. Praise God. Joy is coming from the tower. From God through a spiritual connection and the Holy Spirit into you. The joy of the Lord into you. Amen. Uh, But now this again has to flow. So let me read this one more time and I'll make the next point. Contentment, peace, joy, and rest are all internal conditions of the heart and are not dependent upon external circumstances, okay? But they are dependent upon your mindset and attitude, okay? And what I mean by dependent upon, if you're going to experience and enjoy what God's already put inside of you, then your mindset and attitude is going to have to be one that comes into alignment with these things, So we said walking by faith in the Spirit means living your life with a constant awareness of who and what is inside of you. And the more aware you are of who and what is inside of you, the less affected you are by what's going on around you. Amen. That's good right there. Praise God. How many of you know there's a lot lot going on in this world around us? And I'm not being negative. I'm just going to tell you, if you believe the Bible, there's going to be a whole lot more to come. Amen. (laughs) We ain't seen nothing yet. Pops and I were talking before church. You know, the, they say the Euphrates River's drying up. Anybody read the book of Revelation? Amen. That river's going to dry up so the kings of the east can walk across it against, uh, you know, coming against uh, Israel. And, of course, that's when we're going to see, uh, uh, we're going to see vengeance like we've never seen vengeance. But anyway, well, that's a different story altogether. But there's a lot going on around us, a lot happening in the world uh, around us, in this country and other countries in, in, in the world in general. And the, but, the, but, again, the more aware you are, of who and what's inside of you, the less affected you are by what's going on around you. Amen? So this is why Jesus could say to you and me, do not let your heart be troubled. Do not allow. That word let means allow. He says, don't allow your heart to be troubled. Don't allow it. Now, how many of you know he would have never told us to not allow our heart to be troubled if we had no a say in it? In other words, if we were just at the mercy of whatever's going on around us and, and, and whatever good news comes or whatever bad news comes, we, we just ride the wave up and down with the good and the bad. No, he's saying, listen, don't allow it to be troubled. You, you, can, you can take authority and control over these things. Remember, we, we can't always control what other people do and what other people say, but we can always control how we respond. Amen, how we respond. And it just so glorifies your father and so frustrates your enemy when you respond with faith and joy and love and forgiveness and mercy and kindness and grace, right? When Satan is trying to set you up and get you to spew out hatred and anger and wrath and bitterness and unforgiveness, right? So he's, Satan's trying to push your buttons. But again, we are not ignorant of his devices. We're not ignorant of his strategies. He does not have an advantage over us. Amen. What will we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. And God's for you. Not only is he for you, he's with you and he is in you. But your, Satan, your enemy, Satan, he's betting on you responding to external circumstances without ever acknowledging the internal realities. Now, we've used the disciples as a case study for all of this. And we see in Scripture, and I'm not going to take the time to go back to all of them this morning, but we see in Scripture where they would not only witness miracles, they would participate in miracles, but then just hours later respond as if the miracle never happened. They would find themselves in, a, in another similar situation as to the one that they just saw a miraculous uh, intervention uh, produce results, you know, uh, feeding people who were hungry, 
um, multiple times feeding thousands of people with a little bit of lunch. And then they would get in a boat and panic because they don't have any food and Jesus is going to let them go hungry. It was as if they had never seen the miracle, never heard of a miracle, never participated in a miracle. And, and again, it's easier to talk about them, but we need to see what was going on in them and with them so that we can learn from the mistakes they were making and not make those same mistakes ourselves. And one of the things that we've said is that their minds, their minds categorize the miracles as, big word like mayonnaise, as an anomaly. As, uh, they, it, their mind didn't deny that it happened, but their mind did something really funny with it. It categorized it as a, a rare, uh, abnormal, and certainly unexpected event. And, and therefore never changed what they thought to be normal, what they thought to be standard, or what they thought should be expected. So this is why they would see a miracle, find themselves in an identical situation as the miracle resolved, but not expect the miracle to happen again. Because their mindset, mindset, think what I'm saying there, your mind being set, okay? <laughs> their minds were set uh, on things like lack because that's what they had experienced. Their minds were set on things like luck, right? Um, they were fishermen, and, and, and fishermen are notorious talkers about, do you have any luck today, right? What are they saying? Luck meaning, you know, did you catch anything today? It's like, no, we, you know, didn't have any. No, are you with me? I'm, all you fishermen are looking straight ahead like you don't ever talk like that, okay? Amen. But, but see, that's, their, their minds were on lack and survival and luck and coincidences. That's how their minds worked. That's how their minds were geared. That's how their minds were set. And, and they're participating in miracles. They're not just watching them. They're in the middle of miracles doing them with Jesus. But it hasn't yet phased their mindset. And so on a couple of different occasions, Jesus brought it up. And one was when he was walking on the water after having fed the multitudes, 5,000 men plus women and children, and they participated in that miracle. Jesus sent them across in a boat. And then later he's walking on the water, and they supposed he was a ghost. Notice their mindset had them thinking omens. Their mindset had them thinking old wives' tales. Their mindsets had them, you know, because they were already kind of in a struggling out on the water they were fishermen a lot of them were they'd grown up and lived on the water so to speak and and their mindsets were if you see a ghost it means you're you're dead man that now they're seeing a they're seeing a ghost it wasn't a ghost it was jesus but notice how their their mindsets their 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 thinking uh blinded them to even who jesus really was i mean they knew him it wasn't like he was a stranger it was like well that guy we saw is that him no they knew exactly who he was but notice how their mind and their thinking caused them to to not even recognize who he was how many times have we found ourselves in situations as born-again believers and jesus is right there with us and we don't even recognize him we don't we, we don't even consider that that he's there uh to, to help us and so jesus got in the boat and he said that they did not understand the miracle of the loaves because their hearts were hardened. Their hearts were hardened. And then we see similarly in Mark the 8th chapter where they get in the boat and, and, and they're upset because nobody brought lunch and they're going to go hungry. 
And Jesus reminds them about the 5,000 and how many baskets they took up and the 4,000 and how many baskets they took up. And notice, when I say they, it's not that they had forgotten it. When Jesus said, how many baskets did you take up after feeding the 5,000? They answered immediately, 12, one apiece, right? So it wasn't like, oh, yeah, we, I can't believe we forgot about feeding all those people that day. Duh. No, they remembered it. You see, it wasn't like they had forgotten it. They remembered it, but they didn't understand it. And understanding means to, to have understood it meant it would have altered the way they looked at things moving forward. It would have changed their outlook. It would have changed what they considered to be standard, normal, and expected. No, they saw the miracle. They could tell you how many people were there. They could tell you how many fish they started with, how many loaves they started with, how many baskets they ended up with. They'd probably told the story a thousand times to anybody who would listen to them. Man, you're not going to believe what Jesus did the other day, right? So they're telling these things. They're remembering these things. It's not that they had forgotten them. They knew all the details. But now they're in a boat. And notice the mindset that they have, the mental operating system that they have, mental impulses now determining mind that they have, is that we're going to go hungry on this boat trip. Lack. And Jesus even said, why do you reason because you have no? In other words, why, what is it in your mind that when you process a situation, you come up on the short end? What is it when you look at a situation that, that once you process it, you see yourself being doing without? You see yourself on the short end of the stick. You see yourself, what do we call it? Uh, the world says a, a, a day late and a dollar short. Now, do you, do you realize how many of God's people still... You know, well, you know, Pastor Mark, pray for me. I applied for, I applied for a job, but you know, I mean, I, I got some bad things in my history. and I got some, it's, like, it's, it's almost like you're preparing yourself and me. You're asking me to pray for you, but you're already letting me know why my prayer is not going to be answered because of this, that, and the other, right? Because this is what's happened to me before, and this is what I've done before, and this is my history before, and you know, there's no way to hide that, and please don't tell them I've been in the foundry, whatever you do. Because, it, you know, and so, you see, and it, because again, it's like we're, it's like we're just expecting it. You winning is normal. Every time. Well, you know, there's a thousand people that applied for this job, probably more than that, and you know, it's just only going to be one person chosen. Well, then the wind of the Holy Spirit is going to blow your application wherever it is in the stack on the floor, and they're going to put it on top. Amen. He always causes you to triumph. See, we... We have a mindset that expects lack. We have a mindset that expects defeat. We have a mindset that expects disappointment. We have a mindset that expects. And boy, you can tell people all day about what God's done for you and how he's helped you and what he's given to you and how much he loves you and, and, and how much he's changed your life, right? But, but yet that mental operating system, mental impulses, right? The impulse, remember that from a few weeks back? The impulse is the automatic thought which produces the automatic words, automatic response and that's what's determining how things are with you right now and that's what the holy spirit is wanting to change so again jesus says um how is it that you don't understand he says is your heart still hardened so matthew 6 he said your hearts are hardened didn't understand the miracle of the loaves therefore they they panicked when he walked on the water in other words what he's saying if you had if you had understood the miracle of the loaves, y'all would have all 
walked with me the rest of the way across this water. Because with God, all things are possible to him who believes. Can you imagine like Jesus and the 12 disciples, one of them having to like drag the boat behind them walking on the water? Because you're not going to leave the boat out there abandoned. I mean, you know what I'm saying? But no, they didn't understand it. They, they, it, it, it didn't compute with them. That's not, <clears throat> maybe you've heard this expression before, that's not how their minds worked. You ever heard that expression? Well, you know, it's just not how. A lot of times we use that expression like when somebody's doing something really ignorant, you know, really dumb. It's like, man, that's not, that's not my mind doesn't work that way, you know. My mind doesn't work that way. Just, um, I don't, don't get me started on this, okay, because I promise I won't, but, but I won't get started on this, all right. But let me tell you one of the ways my mind doesn't work. My mind doesn't work. I don't understand people who just throw their garbage out their car window on the side of the road. I don't, I don't, what? We don't want your white to-go box full of chicken wing bones thrown out in our neighborhood. See, okay, all right, you hear me, okay, right, my mind don't work that way, right? I look at Pam, I say, who raised these people? I guarantee if I threw a to-go box, I am 56 years old, and if my mom and daddy knew I threw a a to-go box full of chicken wing bones out the window of my car, they'd come spank me right now. See, my mind don't work that way. Obviously, a lot of people's minds work that way. (laughs) Just throw it out the window, right? I mean, throw it out the window. What in the world? Okay. (sighs) Okay. But that's just one example of a zillion, okay? My mind don't work that way. I, mean, I, I, don't, I don't get that. I don't understand that, okay? But see, in the same way, their, their minds, if their minds had worked the way that understood the miracle of Lowe's, then their minds would have also recognized Jesus immediately, thought it was the coolest thing they'd ever seen, and been like Peter, jumped out of that boat. Can we come with you, Jesus? Because we... Cause we they were able to help with the fish and the loaves the day before. It wasn't even a full day yet, okay? This is what, fourth watch of the night um, from dinner, just, you know, sunset before. Are you with me? Did they participate in that miracle? Did Jesus say, hey, I'm not going to do this all myself, guys. You come in here, we're going to all do this together. We're going to feed these people together. You feed them, right? Well, see, if they had understood, they would have thought like this. He took the little boy's lunch and fed 15,000 people. And we took up 12 baskets full of fragments, and he let us in on it. And now he's walking on the water. I bet we can get in on this too. But no, they're like, he's a ghost. Oh, we're all dead men. See, because their minds didn't work that way yet. Are you seeing this? Okay. All right. So he said to them, how is it that you do not understand? He said, are your hearts still hardened? Are your, are your hearts still hardened? And so, just to, <laughs> I know you couldn't wait to get here to hear more about this today, praise God. Amen. I'm being a little bit silly on that one because, amen. But remember, we, we tend to think of someone with a hardened heart as somebody who's cruel, who's mean, who's angry, who's bitter, who's selfish. You hard-hearted person won't, you know, won't share your bread with... No, no, see, that, that's not what Jesus is saying here. 
He's not saying they're cruel and mean-spirited. That's what we think of hard-hearted. When he says the hardness of their heart, he's talking about them being set in their ways. They're being set in their ways. And we're not going to turn there right now, but Isaiah 55, God says this. He says, my ways are not your ways because my thoughts are not your thoughts. He's, he's connecting there the importance of how we think with the way we live. And so we, we see then that their thinking categorized the miracle as an anomaly and did nothing to change the way they looked at things. They didn't forget it. It just didn't change the way their minds worked. Okay? So what is God saying? He's saying, I've sent my word to you. Right? Because his words contain his thoughts. And if we can learn to receive his thoughts, we can learn to be set in his ways. Are you with me? I do not want to be set in in my ways if my ways are not his ways can we can we start praying that and seeking that and believing that together okay are we brave enough to ask the lord to reveal to us father would you please show me any area of my life where my ways are not your ways because i want my ways to be his ways and then i want my ways to be set in other words i want to be set not in my ways but in his ways I want it to be harder to change my thinking from his ways to the world's ways than it is for the world's ways, his ways to change my thinking or, or your thinking to his ways, right? I don't, I don't know if I said that correctly, but let me make sure you understand what I'm saying. The, the, the disciples were set in their ways, and so they're seeing miracles, but it's not, it's not resetting their ways. It's not resetting their, their mental operating system, Okay. And so obviously there's some resistance there that needs to be overcome. And, and bless God, the Holy Spirit and the Holy Word of God is overcoming that in our lives. Now, I want to... Con, con, connected to this is, if you remember the rich man and Lazarus, I know we read this whole story the other day, but let me just get back to it, okay? Just real quick, because there's a couple of things I want us to look at before we finish this morning. Remember when the rich man and Lazarus, they both died, Jesus telling the story. Some people look at this as a parable, uh, and there's a lot of debate on whether or not it's a parable or, or, a, or a story. Um, if you look at parables, Jesus didn't give people names in, 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 in parables. We just know a man had two, two sons. We don't know the name of the father in that story or the name of, of the two sons in that story. We don't know the name of the woman who uh, lost the coin or the name of the shepherd who had a hundred sheep. But we know the name of Lazarus, right? We don't know the name of the rich men. I don't know if there's some version of HIPAA in heaven, you know, where you don't like publicly disclose people who went to hell or not. I'm just being silly. But, but I think this is not a parable. I think this has literally happened. Amen or oh me, I'm just telling you. You don't have to believe that to go to heaven, but I believe that. All right. And so the, the rich man is in some form of torment, in some form of eternal damnation, and he's asking Jesus to send Lazarus to him with some water. And, and I'm sorry, he's asking the, the angel to send, uh, I'm sorry, he's asking Abraham. Let me get the story right. should have just read it to you, been quicker. 
He's asking Abraham. He's in Abraham's bosom. He's saying, Abraham, send, send Lazarus to me with some water. Can't do that. I'm sorry. Um, doesn't work that way. And he goes, well, then send Lazarus back to my five brothers because I don't want them following me to this place. And, and he says, can't do that either. He says, they have, watch this now. He says, they have the word. They have the law and the prophets. And they need to hear the law and the prophets. Now, what are the, notice what he's saying, they need to hear. They need to hear the word of God. Now, we know this is true because the scriptures are true. Abraham told the rich man, he says, if they will not believe, having heard the law and the prophets, then they will not believe, even if they see a man raised from the dead. Now, the Lord, after a sermon, I usually listen to the sermon, I I call debriefing, just, Father, what could I have done better? How could I have been more precise? And just, again, I want to be better at what I do in serving you, the Word of God. And, and he kind of brought me back to this um, to, to emphasize that unless you are hearing God's word as words from your creator, you're not, you haven't yet heard the word of God. Let, let me say it another way. If you're hearing the words of God like you hear any other audible transmission from any other source, if, there, if his words are no different to you than any other people's words or opinions or ideas or philosophies or principles then you have not yet heard the word of god are you understand what i'm saying in other words to truly hear the word of god is to recognize that he's the potter i'm the clay he's the creator i'm the creation he knows everything i'm learning amen and and the and to honor and to respect his words is is how we hear the word of god because again the same then would have to be true of you and me no matter how many miracles we see, no matter, no matter how many miracles we witness, no matter how many miracles we participate in, watch this now, no matter how many miracles we are the recipient of, the only way we're ever going to see things any different, let me say it another way, the only way our minds are going to work differently the way God needs our minds to work is if we hear, faith by hearing, hearing the word of God. And that, that doesn't just mean, you know, the audible sound waves going from somebody's mouth into your ear and out the other side, okay? To truly hear the Word of God, to truly hear the Word of God. And, and by the way, Romans ten seventeen, he's talking about uh, the, the inspired, anointed, spoken Word of God. Um, that's, that's how... It's living, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing even uh, soul from spirit, penetrating to the joints and marrow and the bone. It, it, in other words, if anything is going to uh, unset us from our ways and reset us into God's ways, it's going to be His Word. And that's what He says in Isaiah 55, that He sends His Word down to us from heaven, right? And, and in the same way that the, the rain comes down and waters the earth and causes it to bring forth in bud, uh, seed to the sower, bread to the eater, so shall his word be that goes out of his mouth. It'll prosper for the thing which in he sent it to prosper. Now, I said I wasn't going to talk about that, but there I go talking about it. But I'm just, I'm trying to show you here that um, we have what we need, amen, with his help to see these things change in our lives. But watch this now. Watch this now. We know that the disciples preached. Are y'all okay? Can y'all hang in here a few more minutes? Y'all good? You're getting quiet on me. 
Jim, you're thinking? Amen. Oh, God is good. Amen. He has answers. He has answers. All right. We need to plow through. There's some of this I absolutely have to get to before um, we break for lunch. So let's, let's get this done, okay? So <clears throat> compare repent for the kingdom of God is at hand to repent for the kingdom of God is in you. Now, if you're familiar with this message, John the Baptist, greatest prophet born of a woman, then Jesus, the eternal Son of God, come to earth as a man, then the first 12 disciples, then the first 70 missionaries, they all preach the same message, repent for the kingdom is at hand. Repent means a new condition of mind, a new way of looking at things. What you look to becomes the lens you look through, the lens you look through becomes the lens you live through, and and. If you're looking to the wrong thing, you're going to look through the wrong thing, and whatever you look through is going to determine how far you can see or what you are able to see. The disciples, obviously, like, like the overwhelming majority of every human being on planet Earth, okay, and sad to say, including a lot of God's children, the, the average person on planet Earth looks to money as their source, so they look through the lens of money and therefore can only see as far as money will allow them to see. Any problem, any issue, any situation in your life that money can't fix, you can't see a solution for if you are looking to money for your answers. Amen. Okay? All right? Now, so repent means a new way of looking at things, a new condition of mind. Metanous is the Greek word. A new way of thinking, a new condition of mind. And so why did Jesus and, and John the Baptist and all those guys, why did they preach repent for the kingdoms at hand? Because Jesus was changing the way things operated. He brought his kingdom with him from the third heaven to the surface of the earth. So what was very difficult in the past to access and receive answers from was now at hand, meaning as close as your outstretched hand. It went from very far away and very difficult to receive anything from to right here uh, amongst us and as close as our outstretched hand. And so Jesus changed it, and as we've said, whenever it changes, how you see it must change or you'll be left behind. And so Jesus changed, brought the kingdom here, but if people are still acting like it's three heavens away and hard to access and hard to receive anything from, they're going to miss the benefit of it being right here with them. Yes? Are you seeing this? All right. Well, as important as that message is, the message for you and me as born-again believers is now shifted even, even more. For, for you and me, Jesus said that it's Father's good pleasure to give to you the kingdom and that the kingdom of God as a born-again believer is now in you. It's not as close as your outstretched hand. The kingdom is in you. Amen. How then shall we now live? Come on with it. How, how then shall we now live? Are we still living like the kingdom's three heavens away and God needs to come down here and fix something for us? Are we still living like Jesus needs to be raised again from the dead in order to fix this for us? Or are we living like men and women who have the same kingdom in us that empowered Jesus to do everything he did on this earth as a man now has been given to you and me, resides in you and me? How then shall we now live? We're going to walk by faith in the Spirit. Get stirred up. Praise God. All right, now. Thank you, Jesus. I want, I want to, um, we'll try to, we'll try to land this plane right here, okay? And let's go back to our verses. 2 Corinthians 5 and 7. 
It says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. Okay? Now, you may have to look a little closer in this verse to see it. And we know, of course, we have other verses on this subject that confirm it. But just think about it. You don't have to necessarily answer out loud. I'm just trying to ask you a question to to engage your thoughts. Okay? Is it possible to have faith but not walk by faith? The answer is yes. Romans 12.3 says God has dealt to every person the measure of faith. So you can have faith inside of you, but not walk by faith, not live your life by faith. Okay? And what's the alternative of, of living your life every day, every step? By faith, by sight. By the way things look, seem, and appear. Now, this mental operating system, this mental impulse is now determining. Our minds were not born again, and our minds have been conditioned. Our minds have been conditioned in, in, a, in a world of experiencing how things look, seem, and feel. In other words, that's our go-to. I'm going to say it again. That's the mindset. Our minds are set to, to look at something and to feel something and to see something. And, and, and so we, we respond so many times based upon how it looks, seems, and feels. Despite having faith inside of us. So is it possible to have faith but not walk by faith? It absolutely is possible. Not only is it possible, sadly, a lot of people are are not maybe don't understand this, but a lot of people are living that way. Now this one's a little little more obvious, Galatians 5 and 25. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So I'm going to ask you the same question with this verse. Is it possible to live in the Spirit but not walk in the Spirit? And the answer again is yes. Yes. To have the Spirit of God becoming one Spirit with your newly born again Spirit, living inside of you the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, to have all of that going on at the deepest level of your existence and yet continue to walk in the flesh. Right? What's the walk by faith, not by sight? So the opposite of walking by faith in the Scriptures we see is walking by sight. You say, well, I thought the opposite of faith was doubt. Well, where do you think doubt comes from? <laughs> we live our lives based upon the way things look, seem, and feel. We, we allow those thoughts to override what the Word of God has said to be true. Come on now with me. We've got a little ways to go. So come on, let's get across the finish line. So he's, he's saying now, is it possible to live in the Spirit but not walk in the Spirit? So according to Galatians and, of course, other places in the Scripture, what's the opposite, what's the, what's the other alternative, we should say? Uh, what's the alternative to walking in the Spirit? You're either walking in the Spirit or you're walking in the flesh. Walking in the flesh. We're living a flesh-first, flesh-oriented, living for and by our flesh. If it feels good, do it. If it feels really good, do it till you die. You know, how it feels, how our comfort zone, all these things, right, that, that, that are so, uh, you know, a part of what it means to live our lives, uh, you know, by the flesh. So is it possible to be alive in the Spirit, let's say it that way, to live in the Spirit, but not walk in the Spirit? And again, the answer is absolutely positively yes. All right. Now, we see a pattern that I remind you of early and often from Matthew 11. Jesus says, come and I'll give, learn and you'll find. Come and I will give, learn and you'll find. Come 
unto me, all you who labor heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart. Okay, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Okay, so the pattern there is come and I will give, learn, manthano, discipleship, and you will discover. See, discipleship is about being unset from our old ways and reset into God's ways. It's a process. It's a process. And it begins with the old ways because the Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man, but it leads to death. Are you with me? See, we, we get really comfortable. We get really cozy in our ways of doing things. And boy, we can even spiritualize it, right? Man, we can spiritualize our dysfunction. We can talk about how God made us this way. Well, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm just, I'm just one of those people who likes to be alone. <laughs> oh, I don't want to make nobody mad. I just, you know, I, uh, you know, the, the, the way God made me, Pastor Marcus, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like being in crowds of people. You're not going to like heaven then. You're not going to like heaven. Are you hearing me? Not going to be any dark rooms for you to hang out in in heaven while everybody's on their face worshiping God. See, we, we, what, what really, and I, I'm going to show you this next week, but what, what really um, enforces our being set in our ways is when our ways were developed by incorrect coping mechanisms. Where, where you know, we, we maybe uh, were a, a little bit offended by something, we put up a wall, or we, people hurt us, and so we put up another wall, and you know, we, we, we build these things to protect ourselves, but we don't realize that we've just walled ourselves in and separated ourselves from the people that God's put in our lives to help us and love us and, and help us grow up into Him. And a lot of times we don't even realize, we, we deceive ourselves into thinking that, that we've somehow you know, se- separated ourselves from everybody else, uh, but um, we've even built walls up that are keeping God out from Him working in our lives the way that he would want to work and needs to work um, in our lives. So come and I'll give. Learn, discover, and you will find. Amen. Stand with me this morning. Praise God. Did you get anything out of this? Now, there's some other questions that, as a matter of fact, it's a long list of them. I want to just give you a couple of three as you stand. And we'll go, we'll go back over these next week. If that's the way the Lord leads us, I believe he will. Amen. So I've asked you this one already. Is it possible to live in the Spirit but not walk in the Spirit? And the answer is yes. The next question, and I can show you this, it's Galatians chapter 4, verse 1. Is it possible to be master of all and still live like a slave? The answer is yes, according to the Word of God. Um, 1 Corinthians 2 and 12. Is it possible to be given things you don't know you have and live as if they're not yours? (laughs) See, right? So, you know, is it possible to be righteous but not live a holy life? And the, and the answer is yes. Is it possible to be free from sin but not experience freedom in, in, in your daily life? And the answer again is yes. Is it possible to be healed but not walk in healing? And again, list on and on and on. And, and I'm not trying to, I am trying to be thorough. I'm not trying to be, um, you know, stir up any righteous anger at me by any means. 
But, but what I'm wanting us to see in all of this is there's a reason behind every single one of these. In other words, why is it that we live in the Spirit but don't walk in the Spirit? Why is it that we're master of all but still live like a slave? Why is it that we've been given things that we don't know are ours and live like they're not? It all goes back to the mindset. It all goes back to stuck or set in our ways. And so we hear sermons about all that God's done for us and given to us, and we're like, yes, amen, hallelujah, praise God. I wonder who he's talking about in here, you know. It, it, never, it never changes what we begin to see as the, when I say the new normal, I don't, I don't like that expression. I, I kind of resist this whole, you know, COVID's got a new normal. Well, who's, the world isn't deciding what's normal for us. The, the devil doesn't get to decide what I expect and what I consider to be the standard for, for, for my life in Christ Jesus. It's not, I, I push back against that. And so it's not the new normal, it's the original normal. The original normal was fruitfulness. The original normal was dominion. The original normal was um, uh, multiplication and increase. The original norm, uh, normal was uh, blessing and, and subduing things and filling things up with the goodness and, and, and love of God. That was, the, according to Genesis, that was the normal, the standard, what we should expect. Sin changed all that, but Jesus came and solved our sin problem. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So what, what is all this? I'll show it to you in Ephesians 4. He's talking about born-again people who are living like outsiders. Born-again people who are living separated from the life that Jesus paid a high price for us to have. It's not because they're not saved. Because they still have the mindset of someone, the futile mindset, the vanity mindset of this world still operating in them. That's separating them and alienating them from all these things that belong to us and are in us. Amen. Father, oh, how we love you, how we thank you, Lord, for this morning together, for the, for the word and for the truth, and Lord, for you breathing upon certain areas of your truth and wisdom for us, Lord, at at specific times in our lives, Father. Lord, I thank you for a timely word this morning. I thank you for a word that is uh, speedily hearkened unto and received, Father. Lord, I thank you that today, if we will hear your voice, we will not harden our hearts, Lord, as in the days of provocation. But, Lord, we will hear your word and we will respond to it, Father. And, Lord, we will say to you, both as a family of faith, as individual families and as individual uh, members of the body of Christ and individual members of this family of faith and individual members of our own families, Father, if there is uh, some area of our lives where we've become set in our ways instead of yours, expose it, unset it, and reset it, and show us what we need to do to cooperate with you in the process. Father, this is the renewing, this is the reconditioning of our minds, Lord. We want to be set in your ways, Father. We, we want to be stuck <laughs> in the ways of God and nothing this world would ever try to use against us would unstick us, Lord, from doing it your way and doing it according to who we are in Christ Jesus and what we've been given. Father, thank you for every person listening to me right now, both here and online. Thank you, Father, for using these truths and using these words, Father, to to make a, a measurable, verifiable, tangible difference in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.
and amen. Praise God. Tell somebody around you that you love them. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, love somebody in Jesus. Thank you again so much for being here this morning. You be blessed, and we will see you Wednesday. Some of you in the morning, some of you Tuesday. Good things coming.